On June 7, 1970, the 22nd Emmy Awards were handed out at the Century Plaza Hotel in Los Angeles, California. The Emmy for Outstanding Dramatic Series went to Marcus Welby, M.D. The Emmy for Outstanding New Series went to Room 222. The program My World and Welcome to It won two Emmys, one for Outstanding Comedy Series and one for William Wyndham for the Outstanding Continued Performance by an Actor in a Leading Role in a Comedy Series. The show was based on the work of humorist James Thurber, born in Columbus, Ohio on December 8, 1894. Where have you gone? Columbus, Ohio. Welcome to Where Have You Gone? People, places, and things that are gone but not forgotten, forgotten but not gone, and the people and places saving these stories for your enjoyment and benefit today. I'm Morris Eckhaus. After virtual travel in our two Lost Ballparks episodes, and a look at past travel in our Riverside Cemetery episode, it's time for some real travel. I hit the road at the end of August 2021, traveling from Greater Cleveland to Columbus, Ohio, to Fort Wayne, Indiana, and to Battle Creek, Marshall, Colon, Ann Arbor, and Detroit, Michigan. There were really two linchpins to the trip. The chance to see a film and hear Clark Wilson play the organ at the Ohio Theater before the end of the 2021 Kappa Summer Movie Series, and the chance to see the Jim Henson exhibition, Imagination Unlimited, at the Henry Ford Museum of American Innovation before it closed on September 6, 2021. Those two destinations opened up a number of other possibilities for the seven-day trip including stops at the American Museum of Magic in Marshall, Michigan, and Abbott's Magic Company in Colon, Michigan, the magic capital of the world. When I knew the dates of my trip, I realized I had the chance to see minor league baseball at Parkview Field, home of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, the high-A affiliate of the San Diego Padres, and major league baseball at Comerica Park, home of the Detroit Tigers. Over the years, I've learned the truth of the axiom that you do not take the trip. The trip takes you. Keep that in mind as I describe my day in Columbus. My plan included stopping at Thurber House, knowing that it was not open to visitation due to the ongoing COVID crisis. My plan included a stop at the Bookloft of German Village, one of the nation's largest independent bookstores and a final stop at the Ohio Theater to hear Clark Wilson play the organ and watch the 1944 film To Have and Have Not. Even with Thurber House closed, I enjoyed my visit to the site at 77 Jefferson Avenue, just east of the Columbus College of Art and Design and about a mile east of the Greater Columbus Convention Center. The area of Thurber House across from Thurber Park is now branded as the Jefferson Avenue Center, a historic campus of nonprofits. In Thurber Park, there's a sculpture of a unicorn, 
and the story of the unicorn in the garden, called one of the most famous of Thurber's humorous modern fables. It was published in the New Yorker magazine of October 21, 1939. It also appears in the Thurber Carnival, a collection of his better-known writing, first published in 1945. You might lounge a moment or more in the Don Vickers gazebo in Thurber Park. Vickers was the founding director of Thurber House, Jefferson Avenue Center, and the Academy of Leadership and Governance. The Ohio Historical Marker Outside Thurber House notes that Thurber wrote for the Columbus Dispatch and the New Yorker, and that two of his best-known short stories are The Catbird Seat and The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. The last sentence on the plaque notes that he is buried at Columbus's Green Lawn Cemetery. Thurber House is a short walk from Long Street and the Long Street Bridge over Interstate 71 that leads in and out of the King-Lincoln-Bronzeville neighborhood of Columbus. It includes the historic Lincoln Theater, and the rebirth of the neighborhood looks to be picking up steam. We hope you're enjoying this second season episode of Where Have You Gone? If you've missed any of our previous episodes, fear not. We don't throw away anything. Our first season consisted of 13 episodes about 12 people in one place, plus a 14th episode recapping the first season. Seek them out at your favorite podcast sources or our website, whygpodcast.com. I had not intended to visit Thurber's grave, but I did a Google search with my iPhone and found that Green Lawn Cemetery was just a short drive of less than five miles away using East Broad Street, South 3rd Street, and Interstate 71. I turned right from Jefferson Avenue onto East Broad Street, following U.S. Route 62 for a portion of the drive. If you know your Columbus geography, You know that the stretch of East Broad Street between Jefferson and the Ohio State House was once home to a famous restaurant. It's honored with Ohio historical marker 104-25, dated 2007, and titled Site of First Wendy's Restaurant. The marker is also a tribute to Dave Thomas, the founder of the chain. It says that Thomas changed the image of fast food by serving fresh, not frozen, hamburgers, hot off the grill, with a choice of toppings in a clean, comfortable setting. The first Wendy's opened at the site on November 15, 1969. The restaurant closed on March 2, 2007, and the site is now home to the Catholic Foundation. Greenlawn Cemetery is also honored with an Ohio historical marker. It notes that landscape architect Howard Daniels designed the original portion of the cemetery in 1848, and that notable individuals buried in the cemetery include Thurber, Samuel Bush, grandfather of George H.W. Bush, and great-grandfather of George W. Bush, the 41st and 43rd presidents of the United States, and the famous flyer and race car driver Eddie Rickenbacker. 
As I parked outside the cemetery offices and started in to ask for directions to Thurber's gravesite, I was thinking that a famous magician was also buried somewhere in Columbus. I asked about the magician, and the man on the desk said I was probably thinking of Howard Thurston. He was right. Howard Thurston's final resting place is at Greenlawn Abbey, just a short drive outside the cemetery. The man on the desk turned me over to a woman who led me over to the abbey, a stately two-story building dated 1927. It has been called an architectural and historic treasure. At the Greenlawn Abbey website, it says that the abbey declined considerably in the late 20th century, the target of vandals and break-ins and short on necessary funding. In 2008, the Greenlawn Abbey Preservation Association was established to raise awareness and funds. It appears that the association is making good progress, and renaissance of the building is well on its way. Thurston's crypt simply says, Howard Thurston, magician, July 20, 1870 to April 13, 1936. Below the dates is an image of a quill and tablet engraved a loving tribute to our friend and fellow member Howard Thurston, the Society of Osiris Magicians, Baltimore, Maryland. There's one other tribute of a sort at Thurston's final resting place. At the lower left-hand corner of the crypt is a standard deck of bicycle playing cards. The box mentions a free app for something or other, so you know it's much more recent than 1938. Though the United States Playing Card Company that manufactures bicycle playing cards dates back to 1867. A deck of playing cards is an essential piece of equipment for a magician, and it's there if Thurston's spirit ever needs it. If you want to know more about Thurston, I recommend the book The Last Greatest Magician in the World, Howard Thurston vs. Houdini and the Battles of the American Wizards by Jim Steinmeier. After visiting Thurston's final resting place, I drove back into the cemetery and found Thurber's gravesite without too much difficulty. His is a simple headstone with the name and the dates 1894 and 1961. Greenlawn Cemetery is less than two miles south of the site of Cooper Stadium on West Mound Street on the near west side of Columbus. In a macabre similarity to the cemetery and the abbey, the site of Cooper Stadium is something of a final resting place itself for a ballpark that stood in various iterations from the 1930s to the 2010s. I'll get back to Cooper Stadium, but first a bit about the book loft of German Village. Just about three miles back east and back across the Scioto River and back to South 3rd Street, just south of Interstate 70 and 71. The book loft of German Village is a delightful destination for anyone who loves books. It's one of the nation's largest independent bookstores with 32 rooms of old and new books. Opened in 1977, it has been called a national treasure and a literary labyrinth. I bought four books at the book loft, including Players, Teams, and Stadium Ghosts by Bob Hunter, published by Ohio University Press. Like me, Bob is a graduate of Ohio University. 
The book is a collection of his best writing from the Columbus Dispatch. I leafed through the book and bought it because of two of those articles, one dated September 2, 2008, in the section titled Ghosts and History, and one dated April 19, 2009, in the section titled Moments. The earlier article especially hit home with me. Hunter wrote about a time in 1975 when he slipped into the remains of Jets Stadium, home of the Columbus Jets, AAA Farm Club for the Pittsburgh Pirates from 1957 to 1970. Many of the stars of the 1971 world champion Pittsburgh Pirates played for that team, including Willie Stargell, Steve Blass, Manny Sanguian, and Al Oliver. After the 1970 season, the franchise relocated to Charleston, West Virginia, and became the Charleston Charlies. Jet Stadium was left to rot. Hunter wrote about the insects and the rodents. I had a similar experience with my dad in 1972. We slipped in and found some old scorecards, ticket books, and canceled checks among the weeds. We got as far as the dugout entrance to the tunnel back to the clubhouse and decided going any further was not worth the risk. Jet Stadium got a renewed life as Cooper Stadium. Harold Cooper had been general manager of the Jets 1955 to 1968. He then became a commissioner of Franklin County for 17 years. During those 17 years, Cooper spearheaded the effort to revive the old ballpark and bring the Pirates' AAA franchise back from Charleston to become the Columbus Clippers. After two seasons, the Clippers changed affiliation to the New York Yankees, and Columbus became home of the top minor league club for the Yankees from 1977 to 2006. Future Yankee greats Derek Jeter, Don Mattingly, Mariano Rivera, and others played for the Clippers at Cooper Stadium. When the park reopened in 1977, it was named Cooper Stadium in honor of Harold Cooper. Hunter's September 2, 2008 article is about the memories on the occasion of the final professional game at Cooper Stadium, with 16,770 fans on hand. Since then, it's happened all over again. Most of the ballpark, including elements that predated Jet Stadium, has been demolished. For now, the third base grandstand survives, as does the distinctive office building in front of the park. For years, there's been talk of a racetrack or other reuse of the land, but it hasn't happened yet, and it may never happen. Do you have an idea for an episode of Where Have You Gone? A person, place, or thing gone but not forgotten, or forgotten but not gone? with a connection to the mid-20th century? If you do, let us know. Connect with us on Facebook at Where Have You Gone Podcast or on Twitter at WHYG Podcast. And now, back to the show. When I was done visiting German Village, I still had plenty of time before the start of the movie at the Ohio Theater. I drove back toward the convention center and parked in the parking lot in front of North Market, the 145-year-old 
wonderful collection of food vendors and other vendors established in 1876 and rededicated in 1995. From the parking lot, I walked over to North High Street and then south to West Nationwide Boulevard because Nationwide is on your side. Past Nationwide Arena, home of the Columbus Blue Jackets of the National Hockey League, and farther west to Neal Avenue and the center field entrance to Huntington Park, the new home of the Columbus Clippers. There was no game, but I walked over to see the statue of Harold Cooper. The marker at the base of the sculpture of Cooper calls him the Patriarch of Columbus Baseball and notes his rise from clubhouse manager to general manager to county commissioner to president of the International League. The statue of Cooper was unveiled in 2009. The artwork is a fitting tribute to Cooper, but it's much more. The statue of Cooper leans up against a four-sided podium with each side bearing illustrations of different eras of Columbus baseball. The days of black baseball in Columbus and the Columbus Senators of the early 20th century, the days of the Redbirds and the Jets from 1931 to 1970, the days of the Clippers at Cooper Stadium, and representations of the new era of Columbus baseball in the Arena District. I still had time for one more trip down memory lane, before going into the Ohio Theater. Once upon a time behind the Ohio Theater was the Columbus City Center, a three-level shopping center that signaled a rebirth of sorts for downtown Columbus. It opened in 1989, and for a time it was a bustling, thriving destination for shoppers with a Marshall Fields and a Jacobson's, two department stores, and a bridge to the historic Lazarus Department store on the west side of South High Street. It was also connected to a Hyatt Hotel, that's now a Sheridan Hotel. By the early 2000s, increased competition from new suburban shopping areas had helped turn Columbus City Center into a ghost town. It finally gave up the ghost and closed in 2009. After it closed, the building was demolished and replaced with Columbus Commons, a green space for gathering and concerts and such things, surrounded by residential units and offices. While the area behind the Ohio Theater has changed, and changed again in the span of 30 years, the theater has survived. In the late 1960s, it looked like that might not be the case. The Ohio Theater had opened in 1928 as one of the grand movie palaces, designed by Thomas W. Lamb, but by 1969... Like so many other theaters of its era, the Ohio was threatened with demolition. Citizens of Central Ohio mobilized. A Save the Ohio campaign was launched. Two million dollars was raised. An organization, the Columbus Association for the Performing Arts, CAPA, was formed to purchase the theater, and the Ohio was saved. The Kappa Summer Movie Series is but one piece of the extensive array of concerts and events at The Ohio. The 2021 movie series was the 52nd, the longest-running classic film series in America. Since 1992, hand-in-hand with the films has been the entertainment provided by organist Clark Wilson, playing the mighty Morton organ. Near the end of 2020, Wilson gave a holiday performance that Kappa streamed out on the internet. You may still find it there for your enjoyment today. To have and have not, 
the film that brought Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall together, is an entertaining 100 minutes, even if it has little to do with the Ernest Hemingway story on which it's loosely based. It has wonderful supporting parts from Walter Brennan and Hoagy Carmichael and other cast members. Between walking over to the Harold Cooper statue and seeing the movie, I had relocated my car to a street parking spot closer to the theater. After the movie and Clark Wilson's post-movie songs, I walked back to the car and drove about an hour north on U.S. Route 23 up to Marion, Ohio, where I spent the night at a Country Inn and Suites by Radisson. By the end of the day, I had done what I'd set out to do. Those things, plus the unplanned stops, made it a memorable day for me, and I hope you enjoyed it too. I'm Morris Eckhouse, host of Where Have You Gone? Our music was composed and performed by Harry Richardson. Our logo was designed by Jeff Santala. The Where Have You Gone podcast is produced by Alan Eckhouse. Where Have You Gone is a production of The Morwin Company. <laughs>